to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hello, Freedom Nation. This is Jeff again. Welcome to a new season and a new episode of the Freedom Nation podcast. This begins a new series with us. We are, you know, the first series and the first season of the show, we talked a lot about Freedom Day, what it means, what it means to you. Uh, We talked about Freedom Engines and why we uh, want to have a Freedom Engine that is the tool that's going to allow us all to be successful. It's going to allow us all to gain our freedom, whether you're sitting in a cubicle right now or in today's world, working from home on your coffee table and working for somebody else who's telling you when to be and what to do and where to be at all times. But now it's different. You've seen what it means to be or what it means for freedom. But now we need to really prove it to you that you can do this yourself. We can prove it to you that you can get your own freedom. And unfortunately, nobody's going to give you your freedom. You're not going to be able to get your freedom unless you take it yourself, unless you create your own luck, unless you create your own opportunity. So what we'll start with now is we're going to talk about freedom engines and specifically starting a business. Uh, That's going to be the next several episodes. We're going to talk about what it takes to start a business today. Uh, We'll be interviewing people who have done just that, who've gone out. Some literally have always had their own business. They started right out of high school, uh, didn't go to college, and they created their own businesses. Others who were like me, who spent 25 years working for other people, and then finally went and did my own thing. So you really just have to figure out who you are and where you are in life. If you're listening to this and you're in high school and you're saying, you know what, I don't really ever want to work for somebody, then don't. Go out and figure this out. Go out and start a business. It's you have less risk when you're younger than what you are or than what you are when you're older. However, whatever time it is in your life, I don't care if you're 65 or you're 15 right now, You have the ability to gain your freedom. You have the ability to create an opportunity outside. So in my life, I've started now 12 businesses, uh, seven of which failed miserably and five of which actually succeeded. And I started to come up with a formula a few years ago that has helped me to start several businesses that have succeeded. Um, So when I started building businesses, I started looking at, well, I want to start a business. I want, I'm interested in this. I'm going to create a product for everybody. And then I'm going to go. And a lot of those businesses failed one, because I didn't have the commitment. Um, If you're going to start a business, if you're going to have your freedom or you're going to create your own freedom, you have to have a commitment and you have to be so committed to that, that it almost kills you if you don't do it. So the first rule 
that I have for starting a business is you've got to solve a problem. That is one of the biggest challenges that people have. They, they want to start a business, but they don't really solve any problems. So, you know, when we think about businesses, let's go back to a very simple business, creating hamburgers. When the McDonald's brothers created their restaurant out in California, they created a strategy for delivering food at a faster rate and a more efficient rate. That's what they did extremely well. And they did it extraordinarily well. They literally choreographed what the, the fastest way that they could create a hamburger and get it to the customer, which was different from a time where you basically went to a restaurant, you had to sit down, you had to wait for the waitress to take your order. Then you had to you know, wait for the kitchen to cook your order. Then the waitress had to bring that to you. Waiter or waitress had to bring that to you. And, you know, that could take 20, 30, 45 minutes to get a meal. The McDonald's brothers came up with the idea of fast food. How can we get it to you as quickly as possible? And they literally choreographed. Um, and if you've, if you've ever seen the movie, The Founder, it really lays it out, um, showing where they actually put on the ground a bunch of painter's tape and they laid out the, all the roles that were in the, you know, in the process of making hamburgers and shakes and everything else. And that's what they used as a means of creating this really simple, very strategic way of getting food to you as fast as you possibly can. And that was the one thing that created fast food. And for those of us that are in a fast moving world, sometimes that's our best and fast or fastest meal we could get is quickly go through a drive through. You're out of there in 20 or 30 seconds and you're moving on. And most fast food places actually measure the time that when you get into the fast food line and when you get out of it, they measure that time. And that's how they judge how efficient their process is. Now, Ray Kroc took it to the next level. He took that idea, partnered with the McDonald's brothers, and eventually bought them out. But he just took that to the new, uh, the next step, which was, okay, how do we bring this to the masses? How do we franchise and get this out to more and more places now that we have a good, solid concept? So that solved a problem. How do we get food as quickly as we possibly can? That's what you need to be able to do. You need to look for where there is a problem and then come up with a solution to solve that. If you're just coming up with a better way of doing something, an improvement offer is never a good offer. Um, it doesn't really excite people. It's doing something radically different. So think through that as you're coming up with whatever you're gonna sell, whatever you're gonna offer, you need to make sure that that is not just an improvement on something better. It's not a better mousetrap. It's not a faster burger. It's not whatever. It is something that people have an issue with, people have a problem with, and you are solving that problem. So where do you come up with that idea? Well, if you're coming up with a physical product, uh, when I was selling on Amazon, we did this. We would find our four or five top competitors in that, people that were very successful selling products. And what we would do is we would go in and we would look at their reviews. This is one of the cool parts that we have today that we, you know, people didn't have 100 years ago or even 50 years ago. They had to have focus groups and everything else, and all that cost money. You could be your own focus group today because there is this thing called reviews. So look at whoever your top competitor is 
go out there and look at not their five-star reviews, not their one-star reviews, because those are the extremes, but look at the three and four-star reviews. Those are the people that are saying, I really love this product, and it would be perfect if they would do X. Take notes of those things. That X factor, that if they would do X, it what, figure out what they're doing extremely well, which people usually tell you in the reviews, but then they'll tell you, God, I wish it would just do this. Then all you got to do is create a product <laughs> that has all the good parts plus that X factor, that one thing that people really truly want. So that is your first challenge is whatever you're thinking about, whatever ideas you have, go out there and look at reviews, either product reviews on Amazon or Google reviews or Yelp reviews or whatever, and look at the things that people really want or they're asking for in their reviews. Now, the next step in the process is to test your idea on real people. Don't just create a market or create a product and take it to market. Go out there, come up with an idea, test it on real people and see if it is something that they're interested in. This is the opposite of the way the world used to be done. The way the world used to be done was people created a product and then they would shove it down your throat with marketing. And that was fine and dandy back in the day when a few big competitors were out there and you didn't have a lot of small market competitors. The one thing that has changed with the world today, with our gig economy, with our internet economy, with all the things that we have, we can have our own radio station, just like I have here. The Freedom Nation podcast is a radio show. You know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, this would have been a radio show, and I would have been at the mercy of some channel or some radio station if I wanted to get my message out. Today, I have a Yeti microphone, I have a computer, I have video when I do video podcasts, and all of that was for under five, $600 that I can own my own radio station. I can use Podbean to put this up and it becomes a distribution channel to the network. My distribution channel, which used to be called syndication, now I can syndicate my radio channel or my radio show to multiple places. So you now have the ability to test your products. You have the ability to do things at a much cheaper cost than it used to be for companies years and years and years ago. So you've got to test these on real people. Come up with an idea. One of the best places that I've found and, and one of the programs I work with is a local incubator program. And that program is based on a book called Lean Startup. Lean Startup talks about this, creating a product first or an idea and then testing that product on real people. What is the benefit of doing that? A couple things. One, you see if people actually have interest. So let me give you a story about my co-working spaces. When I first started my co-working spaces, um, I, I really didn't know much about co-working spaces. I had gone to visit a couple of them. I had the concept or the idea in my head of what it was. And for those of you that don't know what a co-working space is, because I didn't, uh, it's a shared office space. And it's a shared office space that has different levels of shared office. So it's not just an executive suite where you just rent offices out. It is a combination of people who really just need a place to work in different from being at a coffee shop 
or working from home. They just need a place to come into. It's got good internet, access to power, uh, free coffee, maybe snacks, those kind of things, and an environment where they can interact with others. Um, either just to interact and get to you know have a few friends, kind of like we have when you go to the office, or the other side of the coin, people with different businesses that are coming in and looking at it and saying, hey, I want to partner with other people that are in businesses and I want to work with them. So when I started my co-working spaces, I didn't start with, well, I'm going to find a building and I'm going to create the space. I'm going to go out and, you know, then find people to come into it. What I did is I tested my idea. And this just happened to be in November of 2015. Uh, it was about two weeks before um, uh, Thanksgiving time. And my business partner at that time and I came up with this idea. We had gone and visited a few co-working spaces and we came up with a concept or an idea of what this potentially could be. We created a logo, we created a brand. And then during the week of, of Thanksgiving, I decided I was gonna test our idea on Facebook. So what we ended up doing was we created a fake web page. Uh, I literally went out and went to a uh, picture gallery, you know, online uh, or a free image site. I grabbed a whole bunch of pictures of co-working spaces that sort of looked like they went together. And then I created a one page landing page. And that landing page was off of a template for, I think, an apartment complex or something like that just replaced the pictures of apartment complexes with what was, looked like the same co-working space, wrote a little bit of copy for it, had an, a one opt-in on that page that said, hey, we're coming soon. If you're interested, give us your name and email and phone number, and we'll contact you when we're ready, and we'll keep you up to date with what's going on. During the week of Thanksgiving, I decided to use, I, I literally took $500 and I tested our idea on Facebook with a radius of about 10 miles surrounding where we thought we would be. We knew the town we were gonna be in and we just did a 10 mile radius around there and we tested our idea. During that week of Thanksgiving, now most people would say you don't advertise during Thanksgiving, but I surmise that I could advertise during Thanksgiving because people are gonna be sitting around on their couches, bored to tears, around their family, playing on Facebook. So during that week of Thanksgiving, we had 2,845 people look at our ad, 875 click through to the fake web page, and we had 32 people that gave us their information. So for me, that was proof of concept. That was an outstanding return on my investment to know that there was an interest for this. We didn't really have anything like this. Um, I did have one competitor that came to market a few weeks before I did or a few months before I did. But, you know, he, he didn't really have a lot of marketing that was out there at the time. Uh, we were able to build a big buzz. And the interesting thing is that fake web page literally became our web page for the first year of our business. We didn't do anything beyond that. It was a quick one page templated website. Uh, but it gave us legitimacy and it gave us a brand that we could build off of and we leveraged that brand. But that was the thing that it took. And what we found out was what are the things that people really want? What were the things that people were excited about? And we continued to build on those and ask those questions as we were building out the co-working space. 
The next thing is starting lean. So this is a huge thing that is an absolute must for us. You have to start lean. You have to get the business up and running um, as quickly and as easily as possible um, and get that started as soon as you possibly can. Um, but you've got to lean that business out. So I recommend when I teach people budgeting, when I teach people startup budgeting specifically, I recommend laying out a list of, okay, what are the things that you're going to need right away? What are the things that you're going to need, you know, in a year? And what are the nice to haves? Um, and I use this in, in a combination. So all the things that you have to have right away to start a business, and, and you really need to look at this. You really need to say, okay, what do I need to have right at the beginning? Not all the nice things. You don't need a brand new computer. If you've already got a laptop or something like that, you work with the laptop that you have. You don't need to buy a brand new laptop for your business. You don't have to buy brand new equipment. There's these things called eBay. <laughs> There's a whole places that you can buy used equipment today to get yourself started. So make your list, and I, I always put these as what I call A's in a budget. The A's are things that I just have to have. I cannot not have this to get myself started in business. Then we have our B's. Our B's are, okay, these are the things that would be nice to have. Um, these are the things that I don't really necessarily need right away, but I'm probably going to need them in the next, let's say, 12 months or so. Those are my B's. So I don't, I don't get into my B's until I'm making revenue and until I'm profitable. That's the most important part with business is so many people get started and they build an unprofitable business right away and it becomes a habit. So having a habit of being extraordinarily lean from the very beginning is extremely important. And some of that leanness needs to be put towards marketing. Uh, you need to think through, OK, how am I going to market my business? What am I going to do to get out in front of it? And what am I going to do to get customers in? So that should be one of my A's is a marketing budget. I will tell you that I, in a couple of attempts at starting businesses, I did not prioritize marketing high enough and it cost me in the end. Um, it cost me the business because I wasn't out there marketing, um, you know, and some of marketing can be done guerrilla marketing and a lot of it should be done at the beginning as guerrilla marketing where you're just out there humping it. You're going on, you know, if, if there's opportunities to network on virtual things, which there's a lot more of today after the, you know, after the pandemic, um, going out there, humping it, going to networking groups, going to chambers of commerce, getting that first set of customers, getting in front of the right people um, is extraordinarily important and that costs money. So you need to prioritize that. I don't need to prioritize that, oh, I have to have the you know fanciest Mac computer because I'm going to do, be doing video editing and all that. Well, one, you don't necessarily have to be doing the video editing. You can pay somebody to do that. I mean, I pay somebody who is incredibly or incredibly good at this um, over in the Philippines. And the, the benefit for me is I can record this like I am at about eight o'clock in the morning. Well, it, Monica is sleeping right now. Um, I will get this recorded, uploaded to the Internet and then send it off to her. By the time it's five o'clock my time, she's waking up and it's seven o'clock and she's starting her day. So the ability to kind of work 24 hours around the clock helps us get to market faster. And because of the differences in economies and everything else, 
I don't have to pay her as much as I would have to pay somebody that's here in the States with me. That's not saying that, you know, I'm underpaying her. It just means that, you know, in her economy, the dollar goes a lot farther than it does here in my world in, in Texas. So starting lean and really laying out what you need and then laying out what are the things that I, I'm going to have to get in, let's say, a year and what are the nice to haves when we're really profitable and I can look at my nice to haves and say, God, it would be nice to have this, then put that on your nice to have list. OK, for me, when I was restarting this business uh, and the podcast, one of my absolute musts. You know, one of my top things was I had to have a virtual assistant to help me because it was just me starting this business by myself. Um, I do get help from some of my staff in my other businesses with this. But most of what goes on with the, the Freedom Nation podcast and everything that is Freedom Nation is really just myself and Monica right now, who's my virtual assistant. So lay this stuff out, lay out your budget, figure out what you can afford to spend and then that tells you what you need to make as far as revenue goes. The next thing is learning to market and sell. I cannot tell you how important this is. Most people think that, oh, well, I, you know, I, I'm not a good salesperson. I'm not a good marketer. Well, then don't start a business if you're not, if you're not even willing to learn how to be a good marketer or a good salesperson. Especially at the beginning, you are the sales part. And quite frankly, most of the time, people are salespeople in the in this world. So it's extremely, extremely, extremely important that you learn to market. So where are you gonna to learn to market? Well, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different things to do. One of the things you need to learn to do is one, you need to be able to get out and market in person. Uh, that is going out and meeting with people. If you do not like that, or you don't feel comfortable going out, you just need to learn how to do that better. Um, one of my my friends uh, who has written a very popular book, it's been an Amazon bestseller, uh, two books, uh, it's Matthew Pollard. Matthew is one of the most introverted people I would know that you would never know he's introverted. Um, Matthew stands on the stage in front of 20 or 30,000 people speaking at Microsoft um, speaking all around the world um, at large conferences. That's what he does best. He is a keynote speaker and he goes out and does that. And he is one of the most introverted people. He makes me look outgoing, uh, but he is one of the most introverted people that I've ever met. Uh, he gets up and he speaks and literally he is dragging himself off the stage and he has to go to a dark room and just kind of recharge his batteries. Uh, Matthew wrote two books, The Introvert's Edge to Sales and The Introvert's Edge to Networking. I would highly, highly, highly recommend you do this. Uh, read those books because it gives you some practical techniques to become a better networker and a better salesperson. Um, this is what I will tell you. About 70 to 80 percent of the world would be considered introverted. So we are actually in the majority, um, although it doesn't seem that way because our extroverted partners kind of overshadow us, but there are more introverted people than extroverted people. Okay. Introverted people, it is not a natural thing for us to want to go out. It is not a natural thing for us to want to go to meetings with a whole bunch of people we don't know. It's not a natural thing for us to want to talk to people. We can literally sit there in absolute silence for an entire hour 
and never speak to anybody and be totally happy. Somebody who's extroverted, that would drive them insane. That's why I have a lot of extroverted people that work in my co-working spaces because they just need to be around people and they need to be out. That's how they charge their batteries. For introverts, that actually drains our batteries and we have to be away from people to actually recharge our batteries over time. So learning to market and sell, I would highly recommend probably 70% of you out there are introverted. Read those two books and that will give you a foundation and a starting process for being a better salesperson and being a better marketer. The other side of the coin is you really need to understand how digital marketing works, how the marketing structure works. And what I would tell you right then and there is there are three books by a gentleman named Russell Brunson. Uh, Russell is the founder of ClickFunnels, which is a site that helps you build uh, funnels and you know, web pages and things like that, single web pages. Those are all wonderful, wonderful but, you know, tools to use, but you need to understand how to use your tools. You know, when I was growing up, I learned how to do construction. I learned how to do plumbing. I learned how to do a lot of stuff, both from my dad and because my dad and I love to watch this old house, the show that's on PBS and now on a bunch of other things. I learned how to do these techniques by watching people on, you know, on TV. Uh, today we have YouTube to learn how to do things. So you need to understand the mechanics. You need to understand how to use your tools like ClickFunnels or anything else. So what I would recommend is there is three books that Russell Brunson wrote. Uh, the first is called Dotcom Secrets, and that book teaches you about the mechanics of marketing and specifically digital marketing and how it works and how to basically create a marketing flow, how to create offers, create all that. So I highly recommend that as a starting book to reading about marketing. Um, the next book that he has is called Expert Secrets. And that is really where you take that basic understanding and now you become the most recognized expert in your field. You become that person in your field that is the one who people want to come to. You create a mass movement of people that want to follow you. Um, that's not going to be comfortable for everybody, but it is the reality. Otherwise, we're we're competing for price, basically. So that's the next step. The final step is uh, called Traffic Secrets. That's the final book. Uh, Russell's Traffic Secrets is a phenomenal, phenomenal book uh, that really kind of wraps all that stuff together and teaches you how to drive traffic to your website uh, or traffic to your funnels and how to find the, the people that can help you grow your business. So those books, I'll, all of these books, I'll include a link in the show notes page. Um, I would encourage you to go to them. The three, the, the three secrets books from Russell, uh, there'll be a link that takes you to a special offer that you can get that book for free. You just have to pay shipping. So I'd encourage you. That's a great way to get it. If when you get that, Russell offers you the ability to buy all three books together, um, take that offer because you'll never get a cheaper, <laughs> you'll never get it cheaper than that. And it also comes with another book that's kind of a workbook. So these are all hardbound. Uh, they're the latest editions. And I'd highly, highly, highly recommend that you buy them because you're, it is the cheapest marketing education you're ever going to find. We've got our idea. We've got our business launched. We're learning how to market and sell. Other thing you need to understand about business is it's not always hearts and roses. <laughs> 
it's it's great at times. The first 12 months of a business are absolutely awesome. Um, it is just a wonderful thing because you're out there doing what you want to do. You're building a business. And then you get to about month 18. Um, between months 12 and 18, eh, it's starting to, the, the, the rose petals are starting to darken and fall off the stems. And it's getting harder and harder because, you know, the first year you don't make any money and you're really trying to grow your business. The second, you know, going into that second year and really around month 18 is really when I refer to it as the suck. Uh, you are working your tail off. You're not making any money. And you start to wonder, why am I doing this? Why don't I just go back and get a job and work for somebody else? This is the point when, you know, in my observations of six years working with entrepreneurs, this is the point where they either give up or they suck it up. So you either suck it up, go through the suck, push hard, get through month 24, which is year two of the business going into year three. And if you can survive that six month period, that six month suck and get to year two or get to year three, excuse me, it gets easier every year after that. Now, it doesn't mean that your business is still going to be successful. It's not, doesn't mean that you're, you know, if you can just make it to year three, it'll be successful. I just say it gets easier because by that point, if you've done it right, you're actually starting to make a little bit of money. So you're not having to work quite as hard as you were and you're getting paid for your efforts a little bit more. What happens after that is you might still continue to work hard, but you're going to make more and more and more and more money because you've started to show that you're going to be around and customers, one, customers that know you in person are like, okay, they're going to be around. I want to continue. To, I, I want to work with them now. I, I didn't want to work with them when they were brand new. This is your opportunity to make it. Uh, I've been in the financial services for 25 years. This is where I've seen almost everybody in the financial services bail out is right around that 18 month period. They just, that's too hard. And by year two, they're gone. You know, they either run out of money or they just run out of patience and they, they get out of the business. So suck it up, buttercup, get through that 24, you know, month 24. And I promise you, it will start to get a little bit easier. You're going to learn how everything works and you're going to start to make money and you're going to have that staying power that keeps you around in business. The last piece of advice that I have for starting a business is that you have to have a greater purpose. It can't just be about making money. It has to be about doing something. One of the things that you will find, especially that has come as a result of the millennial generation, is they want to see that a business has a greater purpose beyond just being there and a, you know being a capitalist monster and making money. They want to see that there is a purpose behind what you do. So you need to communicate that purpose. There needs to be something else that drives you. You know, it's taking care of your family. It's taking care of the community. Uh, it's giving back to the community as part of it. Uh, when I recently launched my, my solar company, uh, I laid this out from the very, very, very beginnings. Before I even started the business, I put together a, a little bit of a manifesto for myself that we wanted to help our associates. We wanted to help our customers. We wanted to be there for our community and we wanted to be there for the environment. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we built a business that 
covered all four of those things. So 10% of our profits that we make, even at the very beginning of the business, it was designed in there, 10% of our profits give back to the community and specifically give back to the entrepreneurial, the budding entrepreneurial community. So I work with a lot of incubator programs where I'm working with kids in high school that are learning how to do business. I want to give back to that. I want to be able to give scholarships to those kids that want to go on to higher education, to improve themselves, and they may or may not have been able to. I want to be able to do that for them. So that is a higher purpose that I have. That business uh, I don't really need the money from it. So I'm giving a portion of that to the people that need my help over time. I'm giving money. I'm giving my time, my effort, everything else to the incubator communities, to those budding entrepreneurs. I teach people how to do marketing and everything else. And I don't charge them as much as I could charge them because I believe in helping someone get to where they want to. So you must have a higher purpose to your business. So those are the things that help you to build a successful business. That's what you need. That's what it takes to start a business. Those are the elements that you need to. So I would save this show and I would go back to it time and time and time again. Uh, some of the resources we talked about are going to be down in the show notes page with the links to them. Just go ahead and click on the links. That'll get you to where you need to be. Um, and I would tell you to put in your time, put in the time to learn marketing, Turn it, you know, build a good budget that you can work from. Um, and most, most, most importantly, you've got to just build that intestinal fortitude. When it begins to suck, just put your head down and keep going. That's what will help you to continue to be successful. And I promise you, if you just do that, you will be successful over time. I can't promise you that you're going to have a successful business, but I will promise you that it will make you more successful um, you will have that opportunity. This first business or this first freedom engine that you create may or may not be the one that gives you your total freedom, but it's a start. And it's one of those things that you need to look at, build on, build that business. And then if that is not the one, maybe you need to tack and move to a different one. One of the gentlemen that I just interviewed that will be on the next episode is a gentleman named John Pamploni. Um, John is the master of pivoting to other things and you'll love his story. Uh, so that's going to be our next episode coming up. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Subscribe to the channel, wherever you're at, uh, wherever you're listening to this, because we are going to be really barreling forward here going into season two of the show. I'm so excited for those of you that are listening. Uh, let's get this together. Let's grow this stuff together. Thanks. And you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.